Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. I don't know if you can tell, but we've gotten a little light on the platform now. And uh, we're thankful for that. It's uh, one of the many steps and stages that we're walking through as we uh, keep moving forward with our sanctuary renovations. Starting tomorrow, the, the carpet will start to be laid uh, throughout this week then. That should be completed. Uh, we have a little, some other minor things to be done. Our chairs will be in the following week. Uh, and then your lights out there, um, those are not your new fixtures. It's okay. You don't have to be alarmed that uh, you're sitting in the dark forever. Uh, those will be in. Those have, have been uh, a little bit delayed. They took longer. Um, so the first Sunday in December, uh, we're hoping that those will be up, um, could be up by then. And so uh, several of our men have worked really, really hard and and um, what all has taken place, a lot behind the scenes. Um, but I want to thank publicly, I want to thank Carlton Buck. He has really spearheaded this project, been here countless hours and uh, has done a, just a tremendous job of making sure details take place and happen uh, along with, and Ryan Corley has done a lot of our electric. We appreciate Ryan and, and uh, him coming in and helping us with that. And then uh, Mark Gibbs, Mark did uh, some of the oak work, the woodwork that is uh, covering our lights now, our light fixtures that are up there. And so we're thankful for Mark and his handiwork and um, carpenter like Jesus. And so uh, we're thankful for, for that. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts 15. We're going to finish chapter 15. Pastor Ed was giving me a little bit of hard time last week. You know, him and Gail were down in Arkansas uh, visiting his Alabama, uh, visiting. Um, I talked to Dan and Chrissy, and they were in Arkansas. And so uh, I got Arkansas on the brain. Down in Alabama, visiting Ed's mom, who's in her 90s, and just uh, helping her with some projects and stuff. And Pastor Ed said, you know, he was kind of reading along, following along, and and thinking, you know, okay, when I come back, uh, back up to West Hill, maybe they'll be in like Acts 16, Acts 17. No, we're still in Acts 15, but that's okay. And uh, I think my son thinks that we will be here for another couple years in the book of Acts. Uh, we will get through it. We're not in a hurry. Um, I wanted to focus some time on communion. Uh, this morning's sermon won't be extremely long. Um, didn't hear a lot of hoorays there, but uh, was ready for one down here for sure. But uh, it, it, it is a passage that I want to talk a little bit about. I want to highlight some things. But before I do that... Uh, I want to give you, um, I just want to give you some words of encouragement, um, words that I feel I should share this morning. Do you know that West Hill is not my church? It's not your church. It's actually Jesus, Jesus Christ's church. It's his church. This is his church. And do you know that you and I don't have the right or the privilege to define what truth is? God's word defines what truth is. Some of you will say, well, here he goes. 
I'm not here to, to endorse a political person here this morning. I am here to tell you that God's word gives us truth. And if we look to anyone or anything contrary, that is contrary to the word of God and truth, then we are rebelling against what God has told us. Do you believe, and you can verbalize this, do you believe that this is truth? That all of it is truth? Then I believe you need to vote according to that. Don't vote according to your wallet, to your savings account, your retirement, to your political preference. My call to you is that there is darkness all around us. There has been darkness in this world ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. There will continue to be darkness in this world. One great thing that we read in the word is that the darkness can never overtake the light. Every knee and every tongue Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is King of Kings. In Jesus is our hope and where we find peace. Do you know that that light lives in you and I as followers of Jesus? So while there is darkness among us, and the desire of Satan and his workers is to swallow up the light, to cover the light. The light that lives in you and I, we have the privilege of allowing it to shine out. That is displayed in many different ways. Loving your neighbor. Being kind. Long-suffering. Being gentle meek, abstaining from sin. Let me also remind you that the kingdom that is here is not one that will live forever. Our kingdom that we get to be a part of as followers of Jesus is a kingdom that lasts forever. And you know what? We've been called as ambassadors of this kingdom to live our lives in a way that shows, that shows Jesus. You and I are ambassadors. Ambassadors not of a country, not of, of a political party. We have been called to be ambassadors for one. His name is Jesus. If you participated in communion, if you've trusted Jesus as your savior, if you say, I am a follower of Jesus and I will continue to follow him, I have trusted him to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me of all of my unrighteousness, to be my God. How are you as an ambassador for him representing him? We have the privilege on Tuesday of going to the polls and voting. Some of you may have voted early. Lisa and I went to vote on Friday. 
and the line was way too long for us. So I'll go Tuesday and wait in the line. I hope that you vote. I'm not here to tell you, I will say it again, I'm not here to tell you who you should vote for. I will tell you, though, that you need to vote according to the word of God if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And some issues are not debatable. We're going to look at a passage this morning about where there is a disagreement. There are some things that we are voting for on Tuesday that we can't necessarily disagree about. They are clear as black and white. We must stop the heinous crime of abortion. We must stop calling what is sin okay. We are called to love the people that God has placed in our life and all around us. But we must stop as the church saying that it is okay to live in sin and darkness. Homosexuality is not okay with God. I have some friends who are homosexual. God calls it sin. I don't push them to the side. I don't make myself look better. I am no better than them. Do you know why? Because I'm a sinner too. Just like you are. But we must not call sin okay. We must never say that sin is okay. That is darkness trying to swallow up the light. I believe that we will continue to hear and to see some great stories of God. We've read about them. We've seen them in the history of the church, of those who follow Jesus. And I'm excited to continue to read and to hear the stories of those who stand in the gap and represent truth and who live for the Lord. I hope that you and I will be a part of that so that the generations to come will continue to see that we live our lives not by what we want, not by our own desires, not what we wish or what has been tradition. We live our lives based upon the word of God. The word of God is truth. And I hope you're in it and I hope you're reading it. And I hope it's a true part of your life. And that you don't dissect it. That it isn't part of your life on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night. It isn't part of your life whenever you want it, but over here you just put it to the side. This is truth and this is what is to guide us if we're a follower of Jesus Christ. So. That's all I've got to say about that.
Acts 15. We'll start in verse 35. Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Let me pause there for a moment, just rehearsing or recalling where we're at in the text. Paul and Barnabas had gone down to Jerusalem to inquire from the the church leaders about um, the law and how the law worked with salvation and faith in Jesus, specifically talking about circumcision. Was circumcision needed in order to be a true follower of Jesus in order to be saved. So we saw last week um, those who taught and shared. First was Peter and then Paul and Barnabas. Um, Paul shared and then we saw James. Then they sent a letter. And this letter was not only to the church in Antioch, but it was to go to to the other churches that Paul had preached amongst the Gentiles, letting them know that circumcision was not a requirement of salvation. That was not a yoke that was upon their shoulders as Gentiles. But they were to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from what was strangled, and from blood. And so here Paul and Barnabas went to Antioch. They went back to Antioch. They, they taught there. They were preaching there. They were teaching They were strengthening the church. And then it says in verse 36, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Cyrenia and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So what we see here is that uh, there's a disagreement. And this disagreement... Um, is not unlike sometimes the disagreements that happen when you have people. I won't ask for a raise of hands, but I wonder how many of you have had a disagreement in the last month with someone? How many of you had a disagreement? No, don't raise your hand about this morning. I'm not asking you to disclose that. The truth is disagreements happen. Disagreements take place, and there's a disagreement that has happened here with Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas were sent by the church as missionaries from the church in Antioch to go out and to spread the good news of Jesus to the Gentile nations. And as they went from city to city, God bless you, both of you, one after the other. Uh, as, As they went and did that, God used them in a, in a mighty and wonderful way. They came back to Antioch. They reported of the work. That's a phrase that's used three different times in in a small amount of uh, the text here that Luke records um, where where it says, even in verse 38 here, where Barnabas 
and Paul were there, but that John Mark had withdrawn from them and had not gone with them to the work. What was the work? The work was going to the Gentiles and sharing Jesus. That was the work. And so doing that, they're at Cyprus, and when they leave and, and, and travel north and they get to the shore, um, John Mark um, abandons them. We don't know why. Dr. Luke doesn't record for us who's in the right and who's in the wrong in this disagreement. All right. What we see in the text, though, and from some other texts, is that there, there, there was an, a very evident that John Mark stopped going with them as they progressed in sharing the word to the Gentiles. And the term here is very strong. He abandoned them in the work. And so you can kind of get the feel for why here, as they get ready to go visit um, the churches and the saints, the brothers, Paul feels, I don't want him to come along. He left us the first time. Will he leave again? Is this work too big for him? So this disagreement was real. What we know about Barnabas is that Barnabas and John Mark are actually cousins. And so there's a closeness that they're family. And I think Barnabas knows the heart of Mark. We get that feel as, as not only we read it in this text, but from other texts, Barnabas knows Mark, John Mark's heart. And so evidently through conversations, Barnabas is very, uh, very comfortable with taking John Mark, Paul is not. And so the text tells us that there was a sharp disagreement. Verse 39, there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Let me give you four things about disagreements when we think about disagreements today and how we walk through them. Number one, we see here, this text tells us that disagreements do not have to divide the kingdom work. Disagreements do not have to divide the kingdom work. What we see in verse 40 is that both, both sets have been sent out by the brothers in Antioch. And so both are going to continue the work of the kingdom. And while there was this disagreement, it wasn't over a theological problem. There's some scholars that, uh, that kind of a few scholars that will point to a division amongst the, what has happened in Jerusalem and, uh, and this thought and idea about Gentiles and, and the law. I don't believe that's true. I don't think that's what we see here. It's not what we see in the book of Galatians or any of the other epistles. The disagreement that, that, that Barnabas and Paul had was about the person of John Mark. Was he capable of, of doing the ministry, of doing the work? Paul wasn't in agreement with that. Barnabas was, but they both continued the work of the ministry. So we need to be careful that disagreements that we have amongst our brothers and sisters don't divide the kingdom that they allow the kingdom work to continue to take place. It wasn't about the truth of the word. We as Christ followers, and I've said this a couple times already, this is the truth. 
this is the truth, not what I want, not my preference, or not what I desire. If a disagreement arises over what is the truth, then there needs to be a sharp disagreement and parting of ways. There are other times to work through it in uniting. The second thing we see about this disagreement is there's a focus on the call that God gave them. See, the ministry that God gave them was to see how the brothers in the other cities where they had preached were doing. And so they focused on the call that God had given them both. My question to you is, what call has God given you? And you say, I don't know that I have a call. Well, maybe you need to start praying about that. What call has God placed in your life? What has he placed you here to do? And there are times that you may need to separate yourself from something or someone else so that you can focus upon the call that God has placed. Paul and Barnabas continued the call even though they separated and they went different to different cities, different places, they continued to fulfill the ministry that God had called them to. The third truth is we see that two is better than one. Two is better than one. What happened in this disagreement? God actually redeemed this disagreement and used two different sets. So now there isn't just one group of men traveling to different cities. Paul and Bar or Barnabas and John Mark go to Cyprus and are able to minister there. At the same time, uh, Paul and, and his other group, which we'll talk about next week, as they go north, they're ministering in another city. Only God could redeem a disagreement. Only God could come and bring together and say two are better than one. The fourth truth is being upset or having a disagreement should never leave us bitter. Having a disagreement should never leave you bitter. You know, there's a lot of bitter people, bitter followers of Jesus. Ever been around one? Ever talked to one? I feel bad for them. It's sad. We've had them even here in our church. Those who disagreed so much that they would never talk to each other. Now that's not right now. Don't worry. One of those is in heaven. I pray. Being upset should never leave us bitter. There are two other truths that we see here in that is that God provides second chances and that he can redeem anyone. While John Mark abandoned the work in verse 38, he didn't abandon God and God didn't abandon him. While you may trip, stumble, fall, maybe you have in the past, maybe you are right now in sin, do not lose heart, repent and turn because God desires to redeem and use you. He wants to use each one of us. So let's not forget that our God is the God of second and third and fourth and fifth chances. He never gives up on us. I want to show you a couple passages that shows us these last two truths. 
One, that being upset should never leave us bitter, but also two, that we should never abandon the calling that God has placed on us because God doesn't abandon us. What we see here with John Mark is God's hand upon his life. And while Paul refrains from using him or having him come alongside of him, John Mark becomes a key instrument in the ministry of Paul later in his life. So we see there's clear evidence that there is not bitterness between Paul and John Mark. And so I want to show you a few passages. The first is from Colossians, the book of Colossians, verse 4, verse 10, chapter 4, verse 10. In 11, it says, uh, Paul is writing this letter and he's finishing up this letter to the saints and faithful brothers in Colossae. And in Colossians 4, 10, 11, he says, Aristocharis, that's my best guess. Uh, my fellow prisoner greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, that guy that we just saw, that Paul didn't want anything to do with. He says, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. He makes it very clear. He's not his enemy. He's not somebody against him. Let's flip over now to the next verse in Philemon. Philemon it's just a little, little book right before the book of Hebrews. First and second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Philemon 1, verse 23. There's only one chapter, but in verse 23, we see Epaphras, which we're going to learn more about him as we go along in our study through Acts. But Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do... Who's that next name? Mark and Aristocharis and Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. Luke, the same guy who is who penned and wrote the book of Acts, is who Paul is writing about here, along with these other names, but I want to flip to one more passage here in 2 Timothy as Paul is finishing up his ministry. He's writing from the Roman jail and as he's finishing the ministry that God has called him to, he writes to Timothy and he writes here in chapter 4 verses 11 and 12. And I actually want to back up. I want to read to you verse 10. Verse 9, he says to Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. Verse 10, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. So this same guy that he wrote in Philemon, that he was one with him doing the work of the ministry, now Paul has suffered again someone who has deserted him. And we see Demas has done it, not because he's scared or fearful, but because why? Because he is in love with this present world. Don't desert, don't desert the faith. Don't abandon one another. 
I'll come back and say one more word on that in just a minute, but I want to finish reading this. He deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. So while there was a disagreement here, God used it and redeemed it for his purposes so that different cities could be renewed and strengthened and ultimately so that the gospel would continue to spread. But there wasn't bitterness left over. It was just a disagreement. It was, I'm not comfortable with this, so I'm going to do this. Okay, and I'm going to do this. And they were okay with that. And ultimately, we see God uniting them down the road for his purposes and for the ministry. It wasn't an abandonment forever. John Mark didn't abandon the gospel forever. I wonder if he left Cyprus and abandoned Paul and Barnabas because the ministry was so hard. Because if you look at the word, while there is a great miracle that happens on Cyprus, we don't see a great number of people coming to know Jesus. We see it in other cities as Paul and Barnabas go north. But we don't see it here in Cyprus. So I wonder, I'm not a deep theologian and I'm not here to stand on this mountain and say I'm willing to die for it. But I wonder if John Mark abandoned the time when ministry became very difficult and where he saw very little fruit. Sometimes it's easy to abandon the faith when we don't see a whole lot of fruit. Let me encourage you to be faithful. You know who wrote the gospel of Mark? John Mark. So the council in Jerusalem happens roughly in 49 AD. John Mark is penned later on in the 50s AD. And so during that time, in between, John Mark abandons Paul and Barnabas and the calling and the work, but then God uses him in the work of with Barnabas works in his life and his and his heart he has not abandoned his faith he struggled on a moment but god still used him to pen and put together a gospel that we read today and he finished his life in a way where he was fruitful in the ministry i don't know if that helps you or not but it sure encourages me that god is a god of second chances and that while there still may be disagreements in how we do things today, it does not have to divide the kingdom work. And it should never leave bitterness in our heart. I know there's a lot of different thoughts today about what's going on in our world, what's going on in our country, even what's going on in our state. I'm not here to proclaim to you what I think exactly because some of that is personal. If you want to talk to me, that's great. I do believe as your pastor, as the flock leader of West Hill, 
I am fearful that some are abandoning their faith. I am fearful that people are walking away from the gospel. I am fearful that people are so fearful of a virus that they are neglecting the responsibility that God has for them in the church. There are some who I believe are high risk and should not be here. And there are some, maybe you're here today and you're doing it out of duty. Don't come because of just duty. There are times duty is important. There are times that I don't want to go out and run. I don't feel like it. I hurt. I'm getting old. And I have lots of reasons why I shouldn't run. There are a few other reasons of why I should run. And sometimes duty has to kick in and say, Aaron, go run with your boys. There are times coming in and worshiping and praising our Lord and gathering in worship. We do it out of duty, but may that not be a continual beat of our heart. I don't want to preach to the choir here, but let me again remind us and call us to the importance of prayer, to pray for one another, to help encourage one another, and to look after one another. If there's somebody that you haven't seen here for a while, check in on them. See how they're doing. Ask them how their faith walk is. Write them a note of encouragement. Share a word from God's word. And may we not be people who abandon the faith. Who knows what's going to happen this week? I pray that we will be people who will be faithful. There is work to be done. There are people who are lost and who need to hear and see Jesus. We've been sent. We've been called as God's ambassadors to a lost world. Will you pray with me that God would help us? Lord, we need your help to be the best ambassador that we possibly can, and we can't do that in and of ourselves. You've placed us with neighbors with family, with friends, co-workers, other students, classmates. You've placed people in our life for a reason. You've allowed people in situations and circumstances to take place ultimately so that you may be glorified. So my prayer, Lord, this morning is that we would humbly come before you each day, committing our day and our way to you, seeking your word and your truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would help rise up within us a light that shines brightly that our focus and our concentration will not be, be about overcoming the darkness. 
that our focus and concentration wouldn't be about winning debates or coming onto the side of what is right and what is wrong, but that our mind and our focus would be upon Jesus Christ and the truth of his word. And in so doing, Lord, we may win some, as Paul says, we may win some to Jesus. Lord, we know all will not accept you. But you are a patient God, desiring that all will come to know you. Help us to be faithful in this day and in this week ahead and in the months coming. Help us to be faithful to our calling. You first have called us to be followers of Jesus. You've called us to be your ambassador to the world who needs to see and hear Jesus. And you've called us to spread your truth. May we be faithful in doing that. Give us strength. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment. May your peace reside in us. May we be confident to know that you, Lord, are in control and in charge of all things. That we do not need to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do not need to back down from the truth of what your word says. Help us to be bold. Help us to allow the light that shines in us to shine brightly around us. Lord, I pray for our nation. I pray that you would humble us before your mighty throne. Help us to once again recognize that this kingdom that is here of the United States is not an eternal kingdom. We do enjoy great privileges, and we thank you for the men and women who have sacrificed so that we can enjoy these freedoms. We do not take lightly the freedoms that you have allowed us to be able to vote, to express our independence. And so, Lord, we pray that this week your will would be done, that your kingdom would come, that you would get the praise and the honor and the glory. And that we as Christ followers, no matter what political actions take place this week, we will stay concentrated and fixed upon the one who is upon the throne. The one who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord, we believe your word tells us that you set kings upon thrones and you dismiss them. And so we pray for the leadership of our country, that they would turn to you, that there would be a great outpouring of repentance and a call for our nation to be one nation under God. 
It starts with each one of us and being faithful to the call that you've given us. And so once again, Lord, give us strength. Give us boldness. May your peace rest in us. We love you, Lord. I thank you for each person that's here who's tuning in online. May you strengthen them and encourage them. Lord, I pray that West Hill would shine brightly in the time of darkness. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.